0: Hello everybody, welcome back to the Play Sheet Podcast. I'm Charles, as always, here with my friend Joe. Hey there guys. And we're here to take you through another exciting week of the NFL. There were a few upsets, a few big moments, and just to run you through a few of the topics that we're going to be discussing this week, we have Murray's Mary, Wentz's Woes, the upset at Baltimore, and the Flying Dolphins. So Joe, without further ado, do you want to take us into Colts 34? Titans 17.
1: I was just going to say that I like the um, alliteration you did at the start there. Like I <laughs> thought you were going to carry that through all of it. So I was disappointed by the back end. But... <laughs> <laughs> Baltimore's nice. bashing. Yeah, yeah. Colts 34, Titans 17. So really big game in the playoff picture. These teams both sit on 6-3 and three now. So having the head-to-head is going to be very important come the end of the season. What can we say about the game? I mean, the Colts did everything they had to. They had a plan. The plan was clearly to take away Derek Henry. And for the most part, it worked. Henry still ended up with about five yards carry. I think he had 103 yards on 19 carries. So just over five yards to carry. So he was still efficient and effective. But it just seemed watching that game, just from the eye test, he didn't seem to just have that kind of danger that you seem to have felt with him in most of the games. Look, he ended up with 103 yards. He didn't have a bad game. And he was effective as a decoy because in the first touchdown that Titans scored, I'm just trying to think of who it was now, Foreman, he was almost like a kind of decoy there, which allowed Foreman to just run in. So, you know, he served his purpose. But the way you're going to beat this Titans team is by stopping Derrick Henry. And I don't care what people say about Tannehill's pass in and all this kind of stuff. Henry's the key. And the Colts did that.
0: On the flip side, I actually think Derrick Henry did a very good job against a very solid, tough Colts defense. The other thing to be aware of, obviously, you mentioned he got 103 yards for 19 attempts, but he also had a gain of 20 negated by a penalty. So that could have easily been 123 yards on 19 attempts, which is impressive.
1: And then he's on six yards of carry. And that's a good point because, I mean, this defense here, in terms of yards allowed, they're the top-ranked defense in the league. Points allowed fourth. Rush defense, yards allowed third. Pass defense, yards allowed, second. I mean, this is a good defense at everything. They're top of the table. They're probably comparable only to the Buccaneers ignoring the Saints game. They are a very effective D. And the offense, it's mid-table. But when you've got a D this good, we always kind of say, if you've got a D that's super strong, you just need an average O to kind of carry you. And this is what this Colts team is. So yeah, you're totally right there, Charles. For Henry to... Nearly get six yards a carry had that not been a penalty against the Great performance there.
0: Yeah, I think it was one certainly to pay attention to the special teams as well. I mean, when you look at the important factors of the game, you had a shanked punt, a blocked field goal returned for a touchdown, a missed 40 yard field goal. All these little things that are crucial points in the game had a really big impact. It's something that you mentioned last week as well. When you can negate Tannehill, it's a lot easier to then just hone in on Henry, who's going to be the only one that damages you.
1: Well, it's if you've got the guys in the secondary who can negate Tannehill one on one, if you can line up cornerbacks one on one against AJ Brown, against Corey Davis, and trust that they can cover those guys, then you can stack eight men in the box, and you know Henry will still make gains on stack boxes. He will still do that. He's that good. But if you can constantly stack eight against him all game. It just takes away so much. If they weren't stacking VR box with eight men for the whole game there, he'd have probably ended up with 160, 170 yards. They kept him to 103 and, you know, that was a huge factor in them winning the game here. I just want to go back to something Kelsey said there though on special teams. Really good point there. Goskowski, do you think that he'll still be in a Titans uniform next year or do you think that the errors and mistakes are just outweighing any kind of credit he had in his balance book? I
0: think potentially, yeah, that's an issue. I don't think he will be in that uniform next season.
1: He's just the story too much, really. When you're a kicker, you can make mistakes maybe once in one game. But when you have a story week after week, even when you're having highs with those lows, which was his kind of roller coaster start to the season, there's just too much story with him and he's a bit too much of a liability, it would seem.
0: Yeah, because really what you're looking for is, rather than high highs and low lows, is consistency. Yeah. Just before we do move on very quickly, The one thing I did want to say is it very much seems like Jonathan Taylor was a bit of a flash in the pan because this game was all Hines, you know, 70 yards on 12 carries and two touchdowns and both Taylor and Jordan Wilkins, seven for 12 from Taylor and eight for 28 and both of them got stuffed at the goal line. So it seems like Hines is the sole runner in the Colts team.
1: They've got such a running back room. When you think Mac is injured right now, but you've got Mac, you've got Hines, you've got Wilkins, you've got Taylor. I'm not going to go as far as saying that Taylor's a flash in the pan. I'm not going to agree with you there. He didn't get the carries. He wasn't the hot hand. But I think that when you've got players of that kind of talent, you almost follow the hot hand. I think his days will come again. I certainly wouldn't write him off just yet. Let's see what happens there, Charles. Let's revisit this end of the season. How about that? Sounds good. Right,
0: moving on then to the Buccaneers at the Panthers. Bucks 46, Panthers 23, which looks like a bit of a blowout. I think it wasn't until right near the end.
1: Just first of all, just before we get into talking about this game, do you know what Scorigami is? No, tell me. There's a Twitter account which basically tracks unique scores in the National Football League. 46-23. That Scorigami is the first time that score has ever happened. In the history of the NFL. And do you know how many different scores there have now been in the National Football League history? Just take a guess. See if you can get ballpark here. Okay, I would say maybe a
0: hundred and...
1: You're a long way off, mate. There's been been 1,060 unique scores here. My brother-in-law actually was talking about this a couple of weeks ago. The score 4-4 has obviously never happened, but it may possibly happen on odds in about 2 billion years if you played every Sunday for 2 billion years. So keep your eyes out for that one. But yes, 46-23, Scorigami, the 1,060th unique score in NFL history.
0: There you go. You're not going to get that kind of information on any other podcast, Joe, are you?
1: But there's more. <laughs> I'm just going to drop a couple of Obscure stats Obscure facts. Go for it. Obscure little weird facts, right? Tom Brady scored 31.84 fantasy points at the weekend. And this makes him now the highest scoring fantasy player on NFL.com PPR scoring in history with 5,141 points for his lifetime. He overtook Jerry Rice at the weekend.
0: That's quite impressive.
1: I would have thought he would have done it a while ago. But then again, I guess Jerry Rice, he played for a long time. You obviously, got a lot of touchdowns and a lot of yards. But now it's Tom Brady. There you go. Nice. So, on to the meat of the game. Back to the game. No, I don't think it was that close. And I'm going to say why in stats again. Bucks had 10 plays. They scored on every single play. Yeah, that's true. And it just felt every time they had the ball, they were going to go down and score. The scoreline might not have diverged as much because the Panthers kind of stayed in it until the half. But every time they had the ball, they looked like they would score and they did score. So, it didn't feel that in doubt, if that kind of makes sense.
0: Sure. Yeah, I mean, that's a very good point. The Bucks were certainly in control of the game the whole time. But yes, the divergence happened later in the game. I mean, Rojo had another big game here, helped largely by his 98-yard touchdown. But it is worth pointing out that to begin the game, he had another fumble in his own he territory.
1: Did. He did. And that kind of ravaged his rookie season. Rojo was relatively highly vaunted when he came into the league. But he ended up sitting out quite a few games for his first year because he's just fumbling the ball so much. It's something that clearly Arians was willing to forgive in this game because obviously he got more carries and that led to him getting a huge 98-yard gasher. But I mean, you can only do so many of those and he's, he's just used up one of his passes there.
0: Yeah, well, and he had one last week and he dropped a pass in this game as well. I think it's being eclipsed by the actual yardage he's getting out and the performance he's having aside from those but it's something that he really wants to figure out quickly because in an important game, that could be so
1: costly. He shouldn't be this raw in his third year. 100% he shouldn't be this raw. And this should be stuff that should have been coached out of him a long time ago, really. Just tucking the ball right, doing basics. You worry a little bit that in his third season as an NFL pro, he should have really sorted this out by now. And I think he would have done if he was ever going to do it. So as long as he's making big yards like this, yeah. But. You've got Fournette waiting there, so don't drop it again.
0: (laughs) Yeah. We saw the Brady touchdown sneak. That was back, which was always fun to watch.
1: Standard Brady touchdown sneak.
0: And then, uh, of course, Bridgewater came out of the game due to concern around his knee, which they're going to do an MRI on at the time of recording this. The initial feelings that they're not too concerned, but we'll have to wait and see.
1: Just a couple of things to finish with on this here. Going back to how I don't think it was ever in doubt for the Bucks. Do you know that this was the biggest yardage differential in Bucks history? The Bucks outpaced the Panthers by 357 yards. When you look at the stats of actually how much the Panthers passed and run, they did not really do much at all. But the amount of yards they achieved, it doesn't really look like they should have had 23 points.
0: Mm. But then I suppose that goes back to the fact that the Bucks gave it away more in their territory.
1: Yes, which is quite unlike the Bucks. I feel it was a comfortable win, a bounce back from what happened last week. It seems there's a lot of teams playing bad one week and playing good one week. Very few teams with consistency in this conference. Yeah.
0: So then, on to a game where the win wasn't quite so comfortable. Browns 10, Texans 7.
1: This was a grim game, really, wasn't it? And not just because of the players and teams who were out there. When the wind and rain was this bad... uh, You almost have to give these teams a pass. What do you think?
0: I'm not so sure. There's two things in particular I want to talk about in this game. First one, Todd Gurley take note, okay? Because that's how you (laughs) don't score a touchdown.
1: That's how you don't score a touchdown, yeah.
0: I I mean, that was really good self-restraint and professionalism there from Chubb. After tearing off a big run down to the one-yard line with no one in front of him, He runs it out of bounds because he knows that his team can then just take the victory formation and win the game. It's done. Very much the same old story here in terms of Texans run D bad, Browns pass rush good. Browns did most of their damage on the ground. And considering that Hunt and Chubb ran for a combined 230 yards, I'm absolutely amazed that the score wasn't a little higher. Meanwhile, obviously Watson struggled to get going because Miles Garrett was just a harasser and he needs to chill Joe because he's messing with my Rams and Donald sack prediction.
1: (laughs) He's having a great season. He's on course for a very big sack total. He's a game wrecker. He's making a difference there. I still hold a little bit of bad blood towards him for what he did to Mason Rudolph last year and how he acted in the aftermath. And I think that a lot of people are a little bit off towards Miles Garrett, but you can't deny really what he's doing. Yeah. So f- fair play to him. Look, there were only 153 passing yards from the Texans who were chasing the game and only 125 from the Browns. Stefanski said in the aftermath that players were struggling to throw the ball 10 yards I'm willing to accept it was just weather, was terrible. The team that could run the ball better was going to win this because they could just keep the ball up their shirts, just run it down the field. And that's where the Browns won.
0: What do you think this Houston team's going to look like next season? Because it feels like a big overhaul's needed. Yeah. And they've got a new coach in, but they've got the same old problems. So there's more needed than just a new coach here.
1: There's been fundamental problems with this team for years now. I mean, their O-line has been garbage basically the whole time Watson's been there. Watson's never had protection at all. He's never had a pocket. I don't think he knows what a pocket is. There's overpaid wide receivers on the payroll there now. Too many kind of veterans who are getting money, who aren't real difference makers like the player they traded away. You're going to probably lose players like Cobb. This is probably going to hurt a lot of Texans fans. You may not see J.J. Watt playing there next season. It would make sense to try to get some draft capital for him. The team's going to look very different. You've got Watson who you can build around. You've got a franchise quarterback, which is more than most teams have. But there's just so much work that's got to happen there.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. You've almost got to blow it up. Right. Lions 30, Washington 27. Two very bad teams. And it showed, to be honest, didn't it? Even though you had quite a high-scoring game, it wasn't pretty.
1: It wasn't pretty. And I mean, Matt Patricia is supposed to be a defensive expert. He allowed a broken Alex Smith to lead the Washington football team to 24 points in 20 minutes.
0: We've seen this all before. It was the same old Lions, wasn't it? They get up a sizable lead and then they almost throw it all away again in the second half.
1: Yeah, because they just can't close things out. There's no confidence in that D.
0: Yeah, but I think as well, they were helped massively by Washington consistently self-sabotaging themselves. I mean, they had a red zone fumble. They took a sack to get knocked out of field goal range. They missed a field miss? goal. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. They yeah. missed wide open receivers. It was, it was atrocious to watch. They had no right to be in this game and the Lions still found a way to let them get back in it. And this is, as you already said, with a Smith who, he looks bad after that injury. He's lost all his mobility.
1: Yeah, he's had a life-changing injury. He's been out of game for two years. He's rusty. Defenses should be savouring playing a guy like that because he's not going to get out of the pocket too well. He's been out for so long, he shouldn't have scored 24 points in 20 minutes. No. And then,
0: I mean, it's really a bit of a shame for Washington because you probably think at that stage, there's only 16 seconds left in the game and the Lions seemingly managed to get it back into field goal range for Prater to nail a 59-yard kick.
1: Yeah, there was a dumb roughing penalty from Chase Young there. So, you know, a guy who's had a good start to his career, but that was a silly mistake to give up what was it, 15 yards from that penalty. Yeah. Definitely didn't help things.
0: We move on to the Jags at the Packers.
1: Yeah. Do you want to start this one off?
0: I'd rather not. It was uh, was a weird one, to be honest. I mention this time and time again. We cannot tackle to save our lives. And really, that's how you beat us. It's how the 49ers beat us in the playoffs. It's how the Vikings beat us last week. And it's how the Jags nearly beat us the week just gone. You know, we let Robinson get 109 yards on 23 carries and he only didn't have two touchdowns because of penalties. And then we allow a touchdown on a pump return. So it's a major issue that needs fixing. Otherwise, teams will just know that all they need to do is run it against Green Bay and they can win the game. Yeah. If that wasn't bad enough, offensively, we had Adams dropping or fumbling almost everything that came his way until the final quarter. Yeah. Having to rely on Valdez Scantling is is never a good thing. The thing that I suppose is most surprising is that we nearly lost and Luton barely
1: completed half of his passes, which is shocking. Yeah. This was like one of those games where if you just saw the scoreline and you heard about Jake Luton, you think, oh, maybe there's a rookie in there who's making a bit of difference shaking things up. Luton wasn't even that good. It was just pounding the ball, special teams, just basic stuff that was being Green Bay, really. Yeah, Absolutely.
0: Yeah, it's like we were saying last week, really, that this solves nothing for the Jags. You know, Luton, Minshew, they're sort of interchangeable, and nothing's going to change until they get a new quarterback in.
1: Yeah, Jags are going to be picking up a quarterback in a top five draft slot, aren't they?
0: Yeah, oh, uh, absolutely.
1: So let's just assume, for argument's sake, the Jets are going 0-16, Jets are taking first pick, Jets are taking Trevor Lawrence, or trying to take Trevor Lawrence. Who do you see the Jags picking up? Fields? Yeah. It's most likely Fields, isn't it? It's most likely Fields. So. Yeah. They're not going to pick up an offensive tackle and then run another year with Minshew, are they? They're going to try and get their franchise guy this year. Yeah,
0: I think, and I think they have to. I think that is their biggest priority. Otherwise, they're kind of wallowing about in mediocrity, really.
1: Yeah. Here's a question for you. How many receivers do you think Rogers targeted in this game? Oh, that's a really good question. Three. He targeted six receivers in total. Oh. But how many were wide receivers? Oh, two? Absolutely. <laughs> so the players that he targeted, Adams, Scantling.
0: Valdez, Scantling, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were the only wide receivers that he targeted. He then targeted Irvine, Williams and Jones, all running backs. And uh, oh, Tonian. Yeah, to see Tonyan was the one that I
0: was thinking made up the three. But of course, I forgot about the three running backs.
1: Yeah, yeah. So literally only two wide receivers had any passes thrown away. away. And in terms of rushing, it was those four players, Irvin, Williams, Jones and rogers who rushed. So there were only seven offensive players who touched the ball all day for Green Bay. <laughs> wow. Yeah.
0: But this is the thing. We're spread so thin. And this is the problem because we didn't address that in the draft at all. I mean, we picked up Tonian, but...
1: There were still plenty of wide receivers. Oh, absolutely. Even if you really thought that Jordan Love was your guy in round one, which I'm still not convinced on whatsoever, but, yeah, but fine. There were still plenty of receivers on the board going through rounds two and three. You could have picked up a guy like Chase Claypool. Yeah.
0: Right. Before I get any
1: more depressed, let's,
0: uh, let's well, move this on. Well, yeah. This will see me off. Giants <laughs> 27, Eagles 17.
1: What a terrible couple of teams. What a terrible division. 0-9. and nine. What do you think 0-9 and nine is, Charles? Uh, I don't know. Tell me. The Eagles record on third downs in that game.
0: Oh my goodness.
1: They did not convert a single third down all game. Neither team threw a touchdown pass. Neither team forced a turnover. It was pretty die with a talent on show. Eagles, seven penalties in the first half, 11 overall. I gave up 74 yards in penalties. The amount of bad snaps that you saw this Eagles team are bad. They are really bad.
0: I honestly thought that this was an opportunity for Wentz to bounce back from the week before where he had a terrible game against a Giants team who are seemingly now grinding out wins. You know, the Eagles were coming off a bye. They got some players back from injury. It was the perfect opportunity for them to pull ahead in the division and make this a bit of a statement game. But, Q Woeful Wentz and the apathetic O line, it was a disaster. I mean, Wentz constantly overshot his receivers, and the yeah. O line were doing absolutely nothing to buy him any form of time to try and get himself together.
1: What has he done to upset this O line? Like, he just I must have done something really bad, but they hate him. But you're absolutely right. This was the game. Are we going
0: to get like a Ryan Giggs scenario? Is is it going to turn out that he's just slept with the O lines' wives?
1: I wasn't going to say that on the podcast, but that's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> but you're spot on with saying that this was a bounce back game. Like, I mean, the Giants hadn't beat the Eagles since November the sixth, twenty sixteen. They'd lost their last eight games. That's the record they had going into this. Where do you see the Eagles finishing up now? Like They're still in first place based on the tie that they had earlier on in the year. Do you think they'll maintain first place? Or do you think that any one of the other teams, which are within a game of them, will end up taking the NFC East?
0: Honestly, Joe, I feel that this division is an absolute crapshoot. I think it could go to anyone. It could be the Giants. Heck, maybe it could even be the Cowboys. Nobody is winning I honestly don't know. I would have thought they'll still do enough to maintain it, but Giants are improving and the Eagles are in free fall. So
1: maybe not. Giants get to play the Bengals next and they still play the Cowboys again. I mean, you know, there's potentially, potentially two wins for the Giants there, which, you know, you end up with five wins. You can win this division.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think five is the target. First team to five, and they'll probably won it. The thing that I did think is, and it's frustrating to see, but Jones showed signs of improvement in this game. You know, he only missed seven passes. He scrambled efficiently. And we keep getting flashes of this Jones, but we're just not seeing enough of it on a consistent basis.
1: It's so interesting you say that because I was actually going to try to end on a high note and I was going to end on a high note with Jones. He made 18 throws when he had a clean pocket. He hit every single one of those throws. He was 18 for 18 with a clean pocket. 18 for 18, 188 yards. And also, again, he was the second fastest quarterback in Week 10, second only to Kyler Murray. So he's got the legs. And when he has a clean pocket, he can be very effective.
0: Yeah, you just need a little bit of consistency to start believing in him. Let's not forget Giants were a team that you... Touted at the beginning of the season as maybe being kind of sneaky good, maybe being better than people expected. And you can see glimpses of it, even without Barkley, of them stringing together really nice pieces of play. But there's just not enough to cement it at the moment.
1: If the Giants make playoffs with five wins, does that mean I was kind of right about them being sneaky good? Or does it not count if it's only five wins?
0: I'd still take that as a win. (laughs)
1: i'll take that as a win
0: come on nobody was touting giants for playoffs i think if they make it you've got to take that
1: i think that lots of people were still touting them for only five wins though thinking five wins would get them nowhere near the playoffs but that's uh, true (laughs) there you go let's move on next game bills 30 cardinals 32 huge game what you got this one charles i was
0: one off on the prediction i had cardinals by three it ended up being cardinals by two you were actually nearly very right were it not for that last incredible hail mary purse which it's so tempting to just spend the entire time talking about that pass just to kind of lead up to that cole beasley with his luxurious mane was having an it's absolute so luxurious ah. Uh, And he was just loving it. He was popping off in that final Bills drive and I was just sat there absolutely fuming, thinking, great, the Bills have just snatched a successful prediction from me. I honestly didn't think (laughs) Murray and the Cardinals stood a chance, but where there is DeAndre Hopkins, there is a way and in triple coverage. It was sensational.
1: Yes, there's so much that we could talk about with this game. I think we've got to rein ourselves in a little bit Let's just start with a few kind of basics first. Kyler Murray, do you agree that he's playing to a level of 2019 Lamar Jackson?
0: I would argue that he's exceeding that, but yes.
1: Wow, that's a big claim to say he's exceeding that. I mean, 2019 Lamar Jackson was off the chain. You think he's exceeding it?
0: Yeah, the reason is I feel that Kyler Murray looks more rounded than Jackson did last year. I mean, last year... He was touted for his legs. And look, he knew how to throw a ball as well. Kyler Murray is ripping off massive yards with his legs. You know, he's doing everything that Jackson was doing last year. But I also think on top of that, he is being more proficient in the air as well.
1: Okay, well, here's a cool little stat. Murray is the first QB ever to rush for a touchdown and throw a touchdown pass in five consecutive games. He's only the fifth quarterback in the Super Bowl era to have 10 Russian touchdowns, and the first since Cam Newton in his MVP 2015 season. Could we be seeing Murray for MVP?
0: I think he has to be in the picture. There's a few names milling about there, and we've got to get to the end of the season. Yeah, yeah. But I think if you're not even considering him in the running, then you're mad because he's He's, definitely a contender.
1: He's got to be in the running. He's got to be Pro Bowl. I mean, those are kind of givens. Yeah. But he's right up there. Now, a couple of things that kind of have got lost in all the noise of how the game finished. You know how I like to touch on the less kind of glamorous parts of a game. Tyler Bass. He might be been on the losing side, but he had field goals of 54, 55, and 58 yards. An absolute huge day. And this leads me on to a question I've got for you. Do you think that we're near to seeing the NFL field goal record in terms of length being broken?
0: Great question. I don't know the stats, so you might be able to correct me. But just from the eye test and watching it week in and week out, I feel like we are.
1: But go on, tell us where we're at. Well, that's just the eye test because you're seeing these guys hit kicks from 55 yards plus, And it looks like there's a lot more leg on the ball, like it could go another 10 yards. Now, the record is Mac Prater, 64 yards. Tyler Bass had a 58 yard kick in that game. Matt Prater is banging out big ones on a weekly basis. You've got Joey Sly, Brandon McManus in the mix as well. There's a good four or five guys who are in the league who seems to constantly be able to nail them with 55. It looks like there's legs almost 55 as well. So, And with the wins we seem to be
0: having week in and week out on some of these games. Yeah. If the win's with you, yeah, feasible.
1: And I'm wondering if the kind of situation we're in now with fewer crowds that, distraction being taken away whether that's influencing things and making kickers feel comfortable to bang out these long ones
0: it's a good point i mean they said the same thing about the nba and without that kind of moving picture behind their target it's a lot easier to focus in there could be something in that
1: yeah the kicker position is changing slightly and just the range that these guys have got has definitely grown so I'm going to go out there and say that we might see the all time long being broken this year. Nice. So anyway, let's finish this up, though. Let's talk about that Hail Murray as it's been dubbed. What was your view on it?
0: As I was watching it, when I saw Murray scramble about, I thought, what are you doing? What are you doing? He was eating up so much time. I was really starting to panic. And then he threw it and Again, all I saw were the white of the Bills jerseys. And I just thought, no, what have you done? And then when Hopkins came down with that, I couldn't believe it.
1: Absolutely must of him, didn't he?
0: Yeah, he did. When you think about this, Hopkins, what he did and all of that, the Texans got a busted running back and a second round pick.
1: <laughs>
0: and yeah. they gave the Cardinals that.
1: Yeah. Now I don't want to take anything away from Hopkins, because he did absolutely moss it. I don't want to take anything away from Murray, because he put the ball up there, he got free, did everything he had to do. But no one seems to be saying that Poya kinda of knocked White out of the way on that play. White was kind of in position in front of Hopkins, and then Poya came in at the last minute and seemed to like bump him out of the way. Do you think that this was a little bit like the Minnesota miracle, where if one of the defensive players had just stayed out of the way and let the other defensive player make a play, we might not have seen this? Do
0: you know what? I didn't pick up on that, so I'd need to watch again. But if that's what you're saying, then I would argue absolutely. And that's always the temptation, isn't it? In a scenario like that, where everyone goes up for it, when there's a lot of players from one of the teams, you can end up getting in each other's way.
1: Yeah, so... Poirier came in very late. Players almost had hands on the ball by the time that he came in. But he came in and he totally took out White. And I'm not sure if White was just able to maintain his position where he was, he would have maybe been able to knock the ball out as Hopkins was bringing it down. That's all I'm going to say, but I don't want to take anything away from Hopkins. We're going to see that play over and over again until we're sick of it. I'm sick of seeing the Aaron Rodgers one in the same end zone. I mean, the Packers didn't even win that game, and we still get to see that Hail Mary over and over again. So I guess (laughs) we'll just be seeing this one over and over again for the next five years.
0: So the Cardinals are now in first place in their division. With the Seahawks losing to the Rams, and both the Seahawks and Cardinals have to face off against each other this Thursday night. What does this do to the division and the race?
1: Massive implications. We'll come to our pre later on, but I can't see anything other than a Cardinals win based on what we've seen the last two weeks. But then, just to caveat that, every team in the NFC right now seems to have a good week followed by a bad week followed by a good week. And it's just up and down all over the place. There's very little consistency in any of the NFC teams.
0: Cool. Let's move on then to the Raiders 37, Broncos 12. The Raiders were missing three starting offensive linemen. But the Broncos were missing their entire starting defensive line so wow. it's kind of one of those games where both teams were dealing with problems where the other team didn't have the personnel to fully capitalize on it
1: it's basically a preseason game with the amount of like first <laughs> stringers out there
0: i know absolutely but good news for the Broncos they did get the two starting cornerbacks back but it didn't, didn't do make too much difference help, in the end no, it
1: didn't do too much difference Look, it was never too much in doubt for the Raiders, but at the start of the fourth quarter, Broncos had the ball. They were only down 6-20. to 20. So two scores behind with a whole quarter in it. At that point, Locke throws his third interception. Had Locke not thrown an interception there and potentially taken the ball down to score, you'd be a one-score game with most of the fourth quarter left. So looking at it for like 37-12, it, it looks like an absolute blowout. You had two garbage-time touchdowns in there from Booker it was padded a little bit, but don't get me wrong, Broncos didn't look that good at all. Lock threw the old beautiful pass, but he threw four interceptions as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, one of those was in garbage time, the last-ditch effort, but the other three were actually really bad interceptions. He was thrown into triple coverage.
1: Jeff Heath was just reading him all day. It seems that he can be read because the veteran safeties and cornerbacks just had a number on him.
0: It just feels like such a waste for the wide receiver room that they have there. Judy's never going to have a game until he's got someone that compares to him.
1: Yeah, but I think that because John Elway has backed another quarterback, I think that John Elway's got to be seen to really make the effort with Drew Locke. John Elway, you know, a great quarterback, has got through so many quarterbacks for the Broncos right now. It's tarnishing his place as a front office GM. And it's potentially going to start tarnishing his legacy from what he's achieved if he just keeps on having these failures in picking quarterbacks who don't seem to be the right guy. One mitigating factor, maybe, Drew Locke was allegedly carrying an injury. He looked quite uncomfortable for most of the game. I don't often like to buy that because if you're fit enough to suit up, then you should be fit enough to play the whole game. But there was the specter of an injury hanging around as well.
0: He's still doing this weird thing where he's constantly drifting out from the protection of the pocket yeah whether there's pressure or not he's walking back and then he's trying to make a throw and
1: it's a mental thing
0: yeah it must be yeah yeah that's just making that part so much harder
1: yeah yeah he's got to do that because he's not going to change his throwing mechanics at this stage of his career now so that's just what he is and who he is but you're right it, it looks weird it's a strange emotion that he's got there it is what it is just want to pick up on one thing, Kwiatkowski, a player who I highlighted quite a lot in our preseason podcasts, had a nice interception, led the Raiders with eight tackles, six of them solo. That's a player I don't think the Bears should have let go, we'll get on to the Bears later, but Kwiatkowski, a good day for him in the Raiders uniform.
0: I just want to very quickly talk about the run game for both teams. Go ahead. The Raiders did exactly what they should have, given that the entire defensive line was out for the Broncos, they turned to the run game and they had a lot of success in it. It's what you'd expect. That's just good game planning, and they executed it very well. I think from the Broncos' point of view, when you have a pair of running backs like Lindsay and like Gordon, who have both had a lot of success, Lindsay for the team he plays for now and Gordon for the Chargers, it's really odd. I don't know if it's an O-line problem or it's something else, but they're not getting the yardage out of these guys that you'd expect going into the
1: season. They're not. When you think that Melvin Gordon was a bell cow for the Chargers, he was an every down back. Didn't he lead the league in, was it touchdowns or yardage a couple of years ago?
0: Yeah, I think he did.
1: He did. So so he's someone who has and can produce. All right, I know he's had a couple of injuries, but he's still a relatively young player. They're just not getting anything out of him at all. And, you know, potentially that's because teams are happy to dare Drew Luck to throw it. Partly that. But I think something needs to happen with their play call in. And it's probably time to get a little bit more creative to get these players into the game a bit more. Yeah. So the next one, we had a face-off between two of 2020's most highly touted rookie quarterbacks. We had the Chargers-Dolphins. Dolphins Dolphins ended up taking it by a score 29-21.
0: You know, I'm more of an English man than I am a maths man, but that feels like it's more than seven. Did Did somebody not tell the Dolphins what they were meant to do there, Joe?
1: <laughs> well, 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 yeah, we've been saying seven, but it's still a score. It's still a score. Chargers lose by <laughs> more than seven after we made such a big deal about it last week.
0: <laughs> yeah. Look, you know, Tua had another good game for his third start yet another solid performance by the Dolphins DST. They're becoming such a fun team to watch.
1: It was more than solid. When you think about how good the Chargers have been on O the last few games, Ballage was held to 68 yards on 18 carries, an average of 3.8. Kelly, 21 yards on 7 carries, an average of 3. So they held both running backs to less than 100 yards total and average carries of way under 4 yards, which is good. Keenan Allen was held to three receptions for 39 yards. Okay, he got a touchdown, but three receptions. And then Mike Williams, two receptions for 38 yards. I mean, these are danger players who have been making big gains in the last few weeks. The Dolphins, you know, basically shut them down.
0: Yeah, and then on top of that, we've been talking about how good Herbert has been for, what, the last four or five games? He's been fantastic. He had just 83 yards in the opening half. And... You know, he didn't look anywhere near as good as he has done in recent matchups. And to be honest, I don't put that down to a regression in his abilities. I put that down purely to the Dolphins' D.
1: Yeah, the Dolphins' D is very good. It's not really a secret anymore. They're the real deal. You've got players like Van Ginkle who are just making big splash plays every week. I mean, every week you hear Van Ginkle getting his name called out. But I think he's had like an interception. He's had a couple of fumble recoveries. He recovered the blocked punt in um, this game. He's doing stuff week in, week out. He's one of the most effective linebackers in the league right now. There's so much this Dolphins team are doing right that even if Tua was kind of finding his feet right now, I think the Dolphins D has enough to carry them. They look like they are making a serious assault on the AFC East.
0: This was one of those games, Joe, wasn't it, where we talked about the games where they could claw one back on the Bills.
1: And it happened. Here we are.
0: Week one, they've already got one of those games back.
1: 100%. They've clawed one of those games back now. So the Bills sit 7-3, the Dolphins sit 6-3. It's
0: going to be a fun race to watch. I mean, if this comes down to that matchup they've got towards the end of the season, that's going to be a
1: banger. Yeah, well, they're half a game behind now. Obviously, one game back on the buy. So... This is going to be tight at the top of the AFC East. Okay, so let's move on to the next game. Let's talk about another rookie quarterback, Joe Burrow and the Bengals. They scored 10, Steelers scored 36. Bit of a blowout.
0: Yeah, big time. I mean, the Steelers have gone 9-0 and for the first time in franchise history. And, you know, look, bonus for the Bengals. They improved their draft position, which, to be honest, at this stage is much more important than <laughs> a win this far late in the season. Get that O-line fixed.
1: The Steelers were 22-7 up at halftime. So I'm not going to say the game was cooked at halftime, but they should have been comfortable. They still only carried the ball 20 times in total. Now, Connor had 13 carries of those 20. He totaled only 36 yards. It just didn't seem like the Steelers were interested in carrying the ball much at all. They weren't trying to run out the clock, just trying to ground and pound. They were still passing the ball quite a lot all the way to the fourth quarter. Do you think because this was a divisional game, they were just trying to put the pain on the Bengals? I'm
0: really glad you mentioned that because the very next point I was going to come on to was that we've seen James Conner have his second back-to-back game where he's completely held in check by a less than awesome defense. Yeah. And I don't know what's happening there. To answer your question, I think the reason they were throwing it was because they were having success in the air and they were not having success on the ground. The bigger question for me is why the hell weren't they having success on the ground against a team that others have been able to tear through? The Ravens absolutely smashed it down the throats of the Bengals. Why can't the Steelers? Why can't James Conner? And Steelers want to get that look to because there will be games where they will want to lean back on the run game.
1: In close kind of playoff games, yeah, when they're playing good teams, say for argument's sake, it's the fourth quarter and they've got a seven-point lead against the Kansas City Chiefs. You're going to want to run the ball and run some clock and try and cold on that ball for as long as possible so Patrick Mahomes doesn't get that ball back. And you've got to have running backs who can get you four or five yards every carry. And at the minute, they just don't seem like they have that.
0: Nope, not at all. Deontay Johnson looked very impressive again. Six receptions for 116 yards and a touchdown.
1: But Chase Claypool getting another two touchdowns, bringing his total for his rookie season up to seven, which is the most of all rookie receivers in 2020. It's not even close either. I think Higgins is the next up with four TDs. So leading all rookie wide receivers by at least three. Obviously, Jefferson has the most yardage. I think he's about 760. But Chase Claypool, 500 yards, seven TDs. That's a pretty good rookie season. It's just over the halfway point.
0: Very impressive. Talking of impressive then, we've got to move on to the next game, which is Rams 23, Seahawks 16. Joe, not only did you call the Rams' arguable upset, but you also got it bang on the money. Seven points, one score. It was exactly how you called it. Well done. What can I say? I just couldn't see how the Rams' offense would be able to outscore the Seahawks.
1: You underestimated how bad this Seahawks' D is.
0: No, I didn't. I overestimated how good the Seahawks' offense was, because when you only put up 16 points, It's very doable.
1: Yeah, but I mean, the Rams do have a good D.
0: I think it goes beyond that. Wilson missed throws. There were potential TDs where he was victim to some bad interceptions. He did not manage the game well at all. He looked uninterested, to be honest.
1: He's been off the boil the last two weeks. I've never played sport anywhere near that kind of level. But I guess when you play with the kind of intensity... And the level that he played at for the first six, seven weeks of the season is extremely hard to maintain that all the way through. And you're going to have dips. And when Russell Wilson is anything less than interstellar, the Seahawks team don't really stand a chance.
0: I think the only thing that you didn't call about this game, it didn't all go through Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup (laughs) had five passes for 50 yards. Robert Woods had five passes for 33 yards. Instead, it was Reynolds. Josh Reynolds Josh who Reynolds. Saw yeah. yeah, the yeah. most receptions and went eight for 94, which to be honest, I don't think anyone saw coming.
1: No, no. But I mean, there you go. Where do you see V.C. Hawks finishing up now, Charles? Do you see them making playoffs? They've lost, what, three of the last four. They've got Cardinals next. All right. After the Cardinals, they have what you might call an easy stretch where they have Eagles, Giants, Jets, Washington. But then they've got to finish up against the Rams in the 49ers again. Are they going to win the NFC West still that they look like they were on course for? Are they making playoffs if they don't win the NFC West?
0: I think the Cardinals might snatch the division. I think if they don't, it will be the Seahawks that take it. And if the Seahawks lose to the Cardinals, I still think they've done enough to get that wildcard spot.
1: I'm going to disagree with you. I think for the same reason, I think the Cardinals are going to win the NFC West as things stand right now. I think they're the most complete team in that division. That I do agree with you on. I said they've got this easy stretch of the Eagles, Giants, Jets, Washington. I think they only have to lose one of those games. And there's a banana skin in there somewhere. You know, maybe the Eagles string stuff together and Carson Wentz suddenly looks like his 2016, 2017 form. Maybe Daniel Jones shows how good he can really be and throws out some bombs, and the Giants put up a score. Maybe something like that happens in one of those four games. Seahawks then lose to the Rams and the 49ers to finish the season off. They end up 9-7, and I think with the teams you've got in the conference to be coming at 9-7, I think 9-7 is a very dangerous record for the Seahawks to finish up on.
0: I'm not even convinced they'll lose to the Rams and the 49ers.
1: You think the Seahawks will beat the Rams and the 49ers? Maybe not
0: both of them, but certainly one of them. The 49ers are having no success at the moment, and I think that if Russell Wilson plays the Rams again and doesn't look as bad as he did this game, what, Rams 23, Seahawks 27? It could easily happen. I think it'll be Cardinals, Seahawks, Rams, personally, is how the division will end up.
1: Okay. I just want to go back to one thing from an earlier podcast and just to remind you how much things change when we were talking about the Seahawks team. When we were talking about the uh, Jamal Adams trade, And you were saying about how bringing in a safety could just be that little thing they needed to turn them into a Super Bowl team to take their secondary to that next level. Jamal Adams isn't sorting out the secondary in this team. You could be the best safety in the history of a game. Although he did did
0: force a fumble on (laughs) Goff, so, you know, swings on roundabouts.
1: he He did have a good game, but I mean... No, I agree with you. I think that trade looks worse right now with how bad this secondary is. Yeah. It's time to turn things around. And as we have said already on this podcast two or three times this week, there's no consistency in the NFC. So maybe they'll play brilliant against the Cardinals on Thursday night.
0: Just before we do move on, there is one point that I want to make, which may back up my feeling that the Seahawks will go on above the Rams. This was again another week where we saw a Pro Bowl left tackle with a potentially season ending injury. Yeah. And as we know, Goff needs protection to produce and I just can't see him getting that with Andrew Whitworth gone.
1: Very sad to see because a player like Andrew Whitworth for as long as he's been in the league an injury like that do we see him back now? You know that could be the end of Andrew Whitworth which is not the way you'd want to see a player like that you know probably a future Hall of Famer Mm. and back to your point about Goff yeah he is someone who needs a pocket they've got this free-headed running back attack Cam Akers, with Henderson, and with Brown. And so we'll probably lean on that a little bit more now. But yeah, I think you're right. I think it's gonna affect the Rams a little bit. Talking about
0: injuries then, Saints 27, 49ers thirteen. I called this one I was two off, called it by seventeen. But Drew, five fractured ribs and a collapsed lung. I mean, watching that in real time, the hit didn't look that bad, but it, it didn't was look just that bad. Really yeah. unfortunate that I think one of his linemen got forced back into him as the hit yeah. came from the opposite direction. And he must have just fell funny.
1: Yeah. But the weirdest thing about that is then you've got five crack ribs, a collapsed lung, and you go out and play a few more snaps. <laughs> I know. What a like, lunatic. Absolute lunatic. Like, I don't think anyone can question Drew Brees being hard anymore because that must have hurt to go out and do that.
0: Oh, I honestly don't know how he did. Like a collapsed lung, trying to breathe in that scenario. It's ridiculous. Aside from that, I mean, the game went largely as we expected, right? It
1: went largely as we expected.
0: The only thing I would say is I think that the Saints were helped by a few muff punts from the 49ers. Without those, it could have been a little bit closer than it ended up being.
1: Agreed. But then again, with game script, they switched more to the running game towards the end. Yeah. They played the game that they had to. I felt the Saints were in control for most of the game. I think Mullins looked pretty bad. It just went as expected, really. The big story, like you've already said, is Drew Brees. The effect that it's going to have on the Saints going forward. I mean, you've got James Winston now. He came out. He didn't look great. He threw a few passes. Did he really have eye surgery? Did he really? Because those passes didn't look that good. What well, he did throw in that limited sample size. So
0: That's got to be one of the weakest excuses in football, hasn't it? <laughs> my weak eyes but I've got them corrected I'm fine guys I swear
1: no you're not yeah but you know it's a big chance for him for someone who lost a high profile starting job a season ago to now be leading a playoff contender team like the Saints and having a bit of a run in that team Bridgewater had that last year and Bridgewater's back to starting in Carolina so maybe it can be a showcase for Jameis Winston to kind of show what he can do
0: But you know what I think is so important in in this scenario is maturity. The best thing he can do is he's playing in a very different team now than the one that he was playing in that Bucks team. This is a team that can do it, allow them to do it. Don't try and put it on your back because you don't have the skill level to do it. Let your teammates carry you. If he can show the maturity and the composure to rely on those people rather than trying to pull out those, crazy big plays that he tried to pull in the Bucks. he will have success
1: be a safe pair of hands the best case scenario for Breeze is two to three weeks out so the next three weeks Saints have got Falcons Broncos Falcons so there's banana skins there and there's potential slip-ups and the Falcons can certainly put points on teams if Winston comes out of this two and one I think he would have done a good job Right, let's move on to another game that you called the upset
0: on. Patriots 23, Ravens 17 in a very rainy city.
1: Very rainy city. It was kind of classic, classic Belichick Patriots.
0: It was, wasn't it?
1: (laughs) Bringing out all the trick plays, just doing what they had to do on defense, winning the red zone battles. It was just typical, typical old school Patriots way of winning a football game. And you even had, you know, a wide receiver throwing a touchdown pass. I mean, how many wide receivers are throwing touchdown passes while Bill Belichick has been the coach?
0: (laughs) Yeah, so true.
1: Edelman normally gets one a season. (laughs) Yeah. I just had a feeling the game was going to go like this. This Ravens side right now, they don't look like the Ravens side of 2019 and even a Ravens side of early 2020. Their heads are down. Jackson is shook up. He said in interviews last week that teams seem to know what they call him, that teams seem to know what their plays are. And he's kind of half right there. The teams have just worked out how to play against them. Teams have adjusted. This is what this league is yeah. all about. I said at the start of the season that I think they're a 10-16. At the very best, they're an 11-5 team now, and I think that I might be right about them being a 10-16. There's some hard games that the Ravens have got left, and they're what, they're 6-3 and three now?
0: Yeah, 6-3. and three.
1: With a few hard games left... And they're not being able to lean on their D as much as they did in games last year as well.
0: Well, my concern around that is they're already down Calais Campbell and Jimmy Smith. Yep. They've now lost Brandon Williams and a few others in that matchup. It's going to be a lot trickier for them to stop the run now. And I think they will lose a few more games.
1: They've lost two of their last three. The next two games are against the Titans and the Steelers. And those are both losable games.
0: Right, let's end things off then on, it's not the best way to to end things, Vikings 19, Bears 13.
1: I'm a very tired boy, it's Tuesday, half past nine. I was up till half four watching this game last night and then was at work for half past eight. I feel that that was a waste of my life staying up till that time. (laughs) I'm very glad that the Vikings came away with a win, but there wasn't too much on show this week to get excited about.
0: There was a little bit of NFL history, Joe. Cousins broke the Monday night curse, the first Monday night win of his career.
1: Yeah, I was trying to theme kind of 0-9 for this podcast because I had 0-9 with the Eagles third down conversion rate. I was going to bring in 0-9 with Cousins' Monday night record. I was just looking for one more 0-9 thing and I was going to try and make this my thing. But you're right, his (laughs) first win is now 1-10 on Monday night football. So bully for him. The, The Bears were terrible. How they ever got to, what were they, 5-0? and How they ever got to that, it's an aberration. Do
0: you know what I love the most? In this game, Nagy delegated the offensive play calls.
1: To Bill Lazor. And it was probably yeah. even worse. <laughs> it was, That's yeah. what
0: was so good about it. The Bears generated just three net yards of offense on their first four drives in the second half. Well, mate, How I was is say, that even
1: possible? After the first quarter... They uh, generated 79 offensive yards total in yeah, three mean, quarters. A,
0: a kickoff return is the only reason that the Bears got more than six points in that game.
1: Yes, it is. Yes. Their running game is just atrocious. They just don't have any run. Foles is bad. But then it's compounded by the fact that just teams are just waiting for the pass. Because <laughs> yeah. the Bears aren't going to run on anyone. For well, we said it before. The D and special teams tried their best. Know, a big 104 yard kick return you had Khalil Mack making an interception you had all these things but it, it just doesn't matter you can do that all you want but the offense is just going to let you down
0: yeah and until Akeem Hicks was removed from the game with a hamstring injury Dalvin Cook was held to 32 rushing yards yeah. in the opening half yeah they did a brilliant job
1: they took Dalvin Cook right out of the game made Cousins throw it more and they kept it closer than it should have been for a team that can't score touchdowns
0: <laughs> yeah there we go Let's see if I can trump you on the predictions now that you're suitably tired out.
1: Let's go for it. We've mentioned it already, the Thursday night game, Cardinals at Seahawks. What you got, yeah,
0: Josh? I mean, I'm same as you. I think the Cardinals have this. Wilson will probably put up a much better performance. Yep. But we've spoken about how the Seahawks defense is defective when it comes to the passing game. And the Cardinals certainly know how to pass the ball. So I think Cardinals by, I'm going to say, 14.
1: Cardinals by 14? Hmm. Okay, I'm going for a shootout in this one. Cardinals by 7. The over-under, by the way, is 57.5. So the says has a high-scoring game. I think they're probably right. Yeah. And you know what? I'd probably even take the over. I could see both teams getting 30 points here.
0: Okay. Then we go on to the Titans at the
1: Ravens. I'm going to say Ravens. Now, I say that the Ravens have losses in them. I've, I've said about them, you know, being on the downward swing. The only reason I'm saying this is because Titans seemingly aren't quite as good as Colts and the Colts didn't manage to beat this Ravens team. So I'm going to say Ravens. I'm going to say Ravens by something like three, something quite low, but Ravens sneak in it.
0: Well, you have called it exactly the same as me. I'm going Ravens by three, but. I've got two concerns here. One is that the Ravens, I think, are going to struggle defensively against the run now. And Henry is going to be an issue there. But I just think that Tannehill doesn't have the ability to...
1: He doesn't have stones, no. No, no. So I
0: think, yeah, Ravens just nick it. Yeah. Right. Lions against the Panthers.
1: You know what? I've criticised the Lions. I've said they're not a great side. We seem to be going back on everything we've said in the podcast up to this moment. But because Bridgewater is maybe not 100%, because of what I saw in this Pampers team against the Bucks, where they just didn't put up any yardage whatsoever, I think the Lions can put up yardage. So I'm going with the Lions on this one. I'm going with the Lions by 10.
0: Man, I was also going to say the Lions because of the injury to Bridgewater, but I've only got it by seven. I just can never believe in the lines, especially not right until the end of the game.
1: <laughs> Next one, mate. Eagles at Browns.
0: Yeah, I mean, Browns win for me all day long. I'm going to say Browns by 17.
1: This time, this week, I've got one of those feelings. I'm going Eagles. Joe. I hate the Eagles. I think they're terrible. I don't like anything about the Eagles. But I think the Eagles are going to win this, Charles. Chubb's
0: back. Chubb's back. Chubb's back. Miles Garrett against that Eagles O-line.
1: Shady's back. Sometimes things don't make sense. <laughs> like you right now. <laughs> it's a mixed up, shook up world. And sometimes things don't go to plan. If we always thought that a team that was going to win, would win every week. And we'd all be millionaires from the bookies. But sometimes things, there's always a game that screws up people's accumulators. And this is the one. This is the accumulator breaker. I haven't won a single lucky all year. So yeah, you're right. Yeah, this is the accumulator breaker this week. Eagles by 7. Okay. Patriots at Texans.
0: Yeah, I reckon Patriots. They've got a good run room.
1: I think Patriots by 14. I say Patriots by 4 because I always say 3. So I'm going to gonna mix it up a little bit. Patriots by 4. Steelers going 10-0 and at the Jags. Would we both agree on that one? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go Steelers by 17. I want to say that. I'm tempted to say that. And what I said about kind of last week with the Jags at Green Bay. And the Jags just kind of hung on in there on special teams and D. Uh, Steelers 2 win. Steelers by 10. Okay. Falcons at Saints with Jameis Winston. Ugh, this is it. See, on one hand, Jameis Winston. On the other hand, Saints went 5-0 and when Breeze was out for five games last year with Bridgewater under centre. So they're more than a quarterback. Falcons.
0: Oh, Joe. Okay. All right, man. It's your funeral.
1: (laughs) So what are you saying? You're saying Saints by... Because it is Jameis,
0: it's going to be a little bit closer, but I'm going to say Saints by 10.
1: Falcons by one. Jameis is going to screw something up.
0: He'll try and throw a bomb.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. There'll be like a minute left on the clock. We'll just need to like run the game out. and He'll try and pass the ball to like one of his double side receivers and hit a cornerback. Falcons by one. That's two hot takes this week, so that's my limits. That's all I'm going to do. Bengals at football team. Who do you have?
0: I want the best for Joey B, you know?
1: <laughs> <laughs> we all want the best for Joey B. We all want the best for him.
0: Uh, yeah, I think Bengals by seven.
1: After how the Bengals played last week, I think Washington are going to get to him.
0: I think they are, but I also think who's scoring points for Washington?
1: Well, look, they put 24 points on the Lions D. And would you say that the Bengals D is that much better than the Lions D? No. So that's why I'm going to say Washington by four again. Four. Four is my number this week.
0: Okay. I mean, I'm pretty sure you said no more hot takes, but okay. uh... (laughs) That's not a hot take. (laughs) Get
1: away. That is not a hot take. (laughs) When it's saying the Bengals are going to lose become a hot take.
0: When they play Washington.
1: <laughs> no, no, it's still the Bengals. Let's not get silly. It's still the two and seven Bengals. Let's be sensible here. Right. Dolphins at Broncos.
0: Oh, I'm Joe Simpson and I back the Broncos. <laughs> I'm going to say Dolphins by... How big do I want to go? Dolphins by 17.
1: Dolphins by 17. Yeah, that's a good shout. I'm on board with that. Jets at Chargers. I want
0: to see another win for Herbert. I believe in him. I'm going to say Chargers by... I'm going to go seven.
1: Yeah, surely the Jets are going to do nothing silly like risk their Trevor pick at this stage.
0: It would be mad too, wouldn't it? Yeah.
1: Yeah, they're not going to do anything silly like that. Chargers by seven. Feels right. Interesting game here. Packers at Colts. This is potential to be game of the week, I think. Really good matchup here.
0: Yeah, I really don't know which way this is going to go. I'm going to back the Packers. I think this is a 50-50 game, to be honest, but I'm going to back the Packers because that's who I support. And I'm going to say Packers by six.
1: I'm going to come back to something that I mentioned earlier in the show, my little factoid. Rodgers only threw to two wide receivers. That's what faith or availability he has for his wide receiver core. With a Colts pasty as good as this, they'll shut that down. They will shut down his wide receiver's And so as long as they can stop players coming out of the backfield, I think this Colts team, a good D stops a good O. So Colts for me, Colts by three.
0: It's going to be close either way, I suspect. And I think logic dictates that you're correct there, especially because they've got a fantastic run defense. Yeah. So if they can bottle up Jones, then they stand a very good chance of winning. Also, Green Bay, bad at tackling. They've got a good running back room there. So They've
1: got a good running back room, yeah. There's
0: the potential there to win, but I've got to go with my heart on this one. I'm going Green
1: Bay. That's fair. Like I said, this is probably my game of the week. It's on the exact same time as the Vikings game, but I may even watch Green Bay instead of Vikings because that's just going to be a good game. Yeah. Which brings us on to the next game, Cowboys at the Vikings.
0: I can't see beyond the Vikings, if I'm being perfectly honest. Terrible run defence that the Cowboys have. Vikings have a fantastic running back. Uh, I don't know who's going to be under center for the Cowboys.
1: Yeah, who is going to be under center? They a... <laughs> I
0: honestly don't know.
1: Gary Gilbert again. <laughs>
0: I mean, they could do. Look, beware the Gilbert. He did all right last week. So who knows?
1: Okay, Vikings by 10.
0: Yeah, I'm actually going to go for a little bit more than that. I think for, I'm going to say Vikings by 17. Wow. I think that Cousins looked a little bit better and a little bit more comfortable and provided that the Cowboys' defence doesn't show up like it hasn't done for so many games this season, I think that the Vikings can really take them to task.
1: Hope so. The penultimate game, the late one on Sunday night, Chiefs at Raiders.
0: Yeah, I mean, the Raiders pulled off the upset last time they did. Around.
1: They did, yeah.
0: And I think it might be another close game again, but I don't think it's going to be one that the Raiders come out on top for, personally. So, I'm going to go Chiefs, but only by as much as 10.
1: I'd love to see Raiders giving the Chiefs another good game. Because you just don't like to see the same team winning all the time, but I see this the same as you. The Chiefs are going to be motivated to go there and show them who's boss. Chiefs by 16.
0: Yeah, fair enough. And then on to our final game, Rams at Buccaneers.
1: Yeah, Bucks. Even if the Rams do start to get on Brady, I don't think Goff will be able to convert whatever turnover ball they might get. So, Buccaneers by six.
0: Oh, interesting. Okay, so I feel exactly the same as you, but that's why I think it's going to be a blowout. I think, yes, the Rams might cause Brady some issues, but I think the Bucks defense is going to be all over Goff. I don't think the Rams will put up a high score at all. I think the Buccaneers will score drive after drive. I'm going to say Bucks by 21. Really? Yeah. It's my highest differential that I've given out this week. And I think it's, it's coming in this game. Bucks 21.
1: Interesting. See, the reason I just don't think that is there's just been teams where they've been able to slow the Bucks down and keep their scoring. down. I'm thinking like the Bears game. I'm thinking even like the Giants game. I'm mean, thinking like the Broncos as well, who only gave up like 28 points. You can kind of slow this team down. And I think that the Rams will definitely do that. I, I don't think they've got enough to win, but all right. Interesting.
0: Yeah. Well, a little bit different from last week, because I felt like last week we aligned on quite a few pre-dos. I think there's some, uh, some separation here. So look, one of us is going to be very happy and the other one very unhappy next week. So we'll have to wait until then to find out.
1: I would imagine we will both be as wrong as each other. (laughs) Yeah, probably.
0: (laughs) Well, until next week then, Joe, it's been great chatting to you and we'll see you all next week.
1: See you all next week.